So we now are joined in studio by our final guest for this program, and she's one of our own, Jennifer <laughs> McConnell. Jennifer, you're very welcome. Thank you very much. Nice to. I started, I think, being interviewed, then I became an interviewer, and now I'm being interviewed again. So it's yeah. a nice full circle. And uh, one of the themes, the main themes of our uh, program today has been, I suppose, education and mature students and things like that. Hmm. You're a mature student, aren't you? I am a long-time mature student, yes. So I had, I was just saying to you both while the song was on, that the thought of going straight from school into college horrified me. Just, I wanted to get out and work and earn money. And that was it that it. you didn't know what you wanted to do? No, I just did not want to spend four years studying. Wasting um, four years oh of your life? God, yeah. Um, and it's funny how times change and then you actually change your mind on all those things. So I had gone I did a secretarial course did secretarial work and then when I was about 24 knew that I needed to get a degree to get out of secretarial work if I wanted to do anything further so I went and did a part-time degree in business and human resource management didn't particularly like it because it was part-time as well as working a full-time job Mm, and definitely didn't suit me Mm. so managed to get the degree that was fine and then went on did many various works um worked abroad as I I I know from being interviewed by the two of you actually two nearly two years ago when I was finishing up in Seed Savers that I had said at the time I had gone on to work in uh, the telecoms business Digicel in the Caribbean Dennis O'Brien yeah and went to Jamaica and Haiti and when I was finishing up in Haiti I was exhausted I was just completely burnt out but knew I needed to take a break and the late Colm Delves who was the CEO of the whole company he basically sat down with me and said right well what do you want to do because they were trying to get me to go to different markets and then I eventually just said I think I'd like to actually study anthropology so went applied to Maynooth University and did a three-year degree in anthropology and geography and absolutely loved it because it was a full-time study it wasn't part-time yes so just thrived in there and then went on to do a master's in anthropology and development now when I was finishing up in Haiti I had been asked would I consider going to Papua New Guinea to take on a HR role and I thought why would I go from the frying pan into the fire and (laughs) said absolutely not I'm not going to go from one dangerous country into another and then having studied anthropology Papua New Guinea is Mecca for anthropologists. (laughs) So I'd learned so much about it, talked to people that had been based there and then actually got asked by Digicel to go to Papua New Guinea to work in their foundation. So went, had an amazing time, came back, went to Seed Savers, finished Seed Savers, decided I wanted to go back into academia and I'm just finishing up on a master's in applied social research. So I've had a long journey being a mature student. For one who didn't want to go to For one who didn't want to go, absolutely, yeah. And it's probably not the end of that journey, Jim. No, as I said, if somebody would pay me to be in college full-time, I'd just be happy at (laughs) it. You're a lifelong student. Lifelong student, absolutely. And of course, that's in some professions and areas they're talking about the three L's, lifelong learning. Yeah. I just think that there's so much out there. And like, I know when I started my degree in anthropology, a friend of mine, he's a a good friend of mine. He's now, has he just turned 80 or 81? But he started his degree the same time I did. So he was 67 at the time. And it was because he finished school, I think, at about 13, 14. Went over to England to work. And never got the chance to study. And he said, he, and he's such like, he's such a well-read man. And so yeah. he really wanted to go and he studied anthropology and Celtic studies and just loved it. And was going to go on and do a PhD, but then just kind of decided not to, but went on to do a bit of lecturing, you know, a bit of tutoring and is still very engaged with the Anthropology Association of Ireland. So I think that you're never too old to actually go to college. Yeah, yeah. And even if it's not a college-based learning. Yeah, yeah. 
I think learning goes on right through your life. I Absolutely. certainly know that myself. Yeah, and I mean, things. there's things you can do online. There's things mm. you can do, like I know in uh, Scarif College in the ETB, they have night courses. So there's always mm. things that you can do. It doesn't all, always have to be technology. You know, there's so many things. And in a way, COVID was a blessing for all this because mm. it opened up the whole business of delivering yeah, learning online yeah, yeah, for people. Yeah, absolutely. So it's become much more accessible mm. in that sense for mm. a lot of people. Yeah, for sure. But all of this, Jen, feeds into what feeds we're into really you. here to talk yes. about this morning, which is your new venture, based, I think, to some degree on some of those experiences. Yeah. Your new venture, Living Legacy, your new business my that you're new, My up. first ever business to launch, so I'm thrilled right, with well, it. Well, tell us about it. So Living Legacy is a business that was created with the intent to support people in whether they're running their own business, whether they are working for another organisation, but to look at the I suppose the legacy that we make, whether it's personal or, or professional. So you'd have a lot of people around here in East Clare that would have farms. How do they look at the succession of their farm? Who do they hand it on to? How do they ensure the continuity of the work that they've done for all of these years? Quite often, many people are taking on the legacy of their fathers and the fathers before them in terms of keeping the farming going. But succession planning is very much key within every organisation. We all start something and ideally, we want to see those organisations long continue the same way we're here in Scarif Bay Community Radio. We want to feel that this is going to be here long after we're gone. So with Living Legacy, the three streams really was looking about legacy building and doing that through succession planning, but also end of life planning. So the piece with end of life planning, I suppose, to kind of give a bit of feedback or I suppose insight into what inspired me to do this was when I had been in Haiti, one of the things that I'd been asked to do by Dennis O'Brien was to create a succession plan. Now, we had about 800 staff of which there were probably about 80 expatriate staff, so foreigners coming in and working in relatively senior jobs. What he wanted to see was how could we actually develop the Haitian staff to take on and eventually lead the Haitian operation and ultimately use it as a pilot to then go to every other operation Mm -hmm. within Digicel, which at the time there was, I think, about 23 operations. So how could we actually try and localise roles and move expats with their experience into different markets to help either create new markets or to train other people? So we ended up doing it and it worked out quite well because we did a whole leadership training, but we didn't just look at the top level. It wasn't, and I think that's where sometimes succession planning that sense is that it's only about the the big boss. It's just the if they're gone, who takes over. It's actually to do with everything that's key to ensure that your organisation can function effectively. So it's growing the expertise so from the yeah. ground floor up. Really. Yeah, and it's really, I suppose, whether you're looking at a social enterprise, a charity, a, fa- a family farm, a small business, a large scale corporate entity, it's a, how do you ensure business continuity? How do you actually make sure that you can train whoever's going to take over next, but then whoever's going to take over from them and mm-hmm. so on? So I was fortunate to get that exposure to that in Haiti. And that always stood with me. And having worked in HR for many years and then led organisations like Seed Savers, it was one of the things that I felt that the succession planning piece and the developing of people was the bit that I liked the best. The day to day gripes and groans and, you know, the higher and the firing didn't like that bit. The hiring is nice, but the firing definitely not. Um, but how to actually ensure that people are developing within their career. Um, so that was one stream that I had started doing a piece of work on that a year and a half ago with an organisation based in Australia and throughout Asia Pacific. So I did all of that online, which was wonderful. Um, but it did involve doing things like PowerPoint presentations at three in the morning and uh, starting work at 5.30 in the morning. So I definitely empathise with all of the farmers here that get up at the crack of dawn and long before it. So 
that happened. And then I suppose with COVID, what really sat with me was the amount of, you know, funerals that took place that people didn't get to choose what kind of funeral they could have. There was a lot of grief and trauma in terms of the fact that people were dying. You couldn't actually be with them in a hospital or in a nursing home. There was just a lot of struggles and I suppose a lot of unresolved grief in terms of spending time with our loved ones when they're gone. There was also a high rise of suicides as well, especially through COVID because of isolation um, and many other factors as well. When I had moved originally to the Caribbean in 2007, I had put together effectively my end of life wishes. And I had said, right, if something happens to me, these are all the things to be aware of. And I gave the letter to my mother at the time. She said, well, this is a bit bleak. But I just said, well, I've never lived abroad before. But if something happens, I need you to know what my bank account details are, what my mortgage details are, who are the people to contact, you know, what's my VHI contact details, you know, all those kind of things. So and of course, you were working in an area. If my memory serves me, I think you told me that you had uh, had you an armoured vehicle. Yeah. So when I was in Haiti, um, I one of the things with the expats is because you're living in, and it's gone even more dangerous now in recent years, is that you were effectively. Digicel was the highest foreign investment company in Haiti and I think probably still is. So anybody that's kind of high level seniority is a high target for kidnapping. So that was why you had... For ransom. For ransom, yes. So you had security. So everywhere I went, I had an armoured bodyguard. I had armoured cars, all that. So you didn't have any freedom. So that kind of led to a lot of the burnout. Like the security guys were brilliant and they did a phenomenal job and they did the job that they were meant to do. But that heightened your awareness of your... It makes you feel like you're always under attack or under threat Um, but it also because Haiti itself is quite an unusual country that it's phenomenal in some ways but it's constantly dealing with fraud corruption like you know their president was killed two years ago there has been huge gang violence over the last year a lot of people have left Haiti because it's just too dangerous kidnappings have gone through the roof Um, so again it's about trying to keep people protected and safe Tell so, me, have you ever talked to uh, Archbishop Eugene Nugent? No, who's a of I have heard of him. Yeah. Yes. Eugene was the papal nuncio in oh, Haiti for a number of years. Him, yeah, yes. right, yeah. yeah. I'd l- and I would love to connect him with him. He's now in Kuwait, yeah, yeah. So sometimes um, someone will make the link for you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But I think the thing is, going back to, I suppose, the idea with Living Legacy is just that even that sense of preparing for the end really stuck with me. And what I wanted to do then through COVID as well was just talking to people and that sense of oh somebody has died or we couldn't go to the funeral or we didn't know what they wanted so again even tying in with succession planning because that is always about getting things ready to hand on to the next generation but the same then I decided to create another strand which is in end of life planning working with people to get their affairs in order so you could tie the succession planning and the end of life planning very well together when it's family businesses but when it's not and you're just working for a a regular organisation why not consider actually putting your affairs in order now when you're well and healthy rather than waiting to be triggered by the death of a loved one or a health diagnosis or a dementia of some form or other well, yeah. that's it. But it's the thing is that you can actually get a lot of administration in order now. Yeah. Like I'm 47. I'm looking at people that are 40 onwards to say, get those things in order now, because even in terms of bank account details, you can actually authorise the bank to give access to somebody upon your death or if you're not able to, to make any transactions. You can put things like power of attorney. You don't have to have it triggered. Like there's a lot of things you can do through your solicitors, through your financial advisors. But it's actually a lot of the administrative side of things that people don't know where to start. So yeah. I'm through a coaching, I suppose, offering is 
preparing programmes to actually get people to think of these, both by utilising things like the Irish Hospice Foundation's Thinking Ahead form. I interviewed Valerie Smith from um, Irish Hospice Foundation there in August. And like they have done some great things as well with yourself, Patricia, and through the Clare Older People's Network, is why not think about these things now? Get them in order and then that makes space for the life yet to live. It's not inviting death along, but we're all going to die. That so, is the only certainty that's yeah. out there. So why, that in Texas. That in Texas, yeah. <laughs> so why not actually use this time to make space to look at the life yet to live, no matter how old you are, yeah. is there are always things that we have aspirations to fulfil. So then through the living legacy, legacy building section is then to actually help you put a plan in place to get there and actually build the legacy that you've yet to create. And that what do you want to be remembered for and what do you want to be remembered by? And so it is that sense of creating your legacy for now and for future generations to follow, but using the opportunity of getting your affairs in order now while you can. I think that um, what you're saying there about the life left to live. Yeah is really a great USP for the business because, you know, it's easy enough in some ways to get hold of information. Any decent solicitor that you approach yeah. will give you information about enduring power of attorney yes, or your absolutely, will. absolutely, yeah. Um, as you know, Sharon Cahar did a huge yes. amount of work with yeah. us on that subject. But it's the idea of thinking about the time that you may or may not have. Mm. One of the other things is, of course, the death and taxes thing. Yeah. You know, God forbid, but we never know the day nor the hour type of yeah. thing. Yeah. So, you know, you could be in the holy or health having a great time and everything and suddenly it, something just happens well, and you and go, This is what happens to me, yeah. Whatever. So one you of know. the things I think possibly, which was one of the nearer triggers was when I was in Papua New Guinea, I had an accident which resulted in me breaking my back. Oh, gosh. Um, so I had been scuba diving and walked back up the jetty and and walked up and I had picked up my bags, but my ankle turned and I ended up tripping, but there was no barrier on Oof. either side of the bridge. So I fell three metres, what, 10 feet, landed on my back. Ooh. Thankfully, wasn't paralysed. But what happened was I ended up uh, fracturing one of my vertebrae, but all my lower back muscles shut down. But I had to organise my logistics. I had to organise all of the things to get me to Australia to get the proper attention and care, then get myself home organised for all of my healthcare while I'm here. And again, I was fortunate that I could do that. But it it really brought to home that uh, things can happen when you least expect yes. it. So why not yeah. get everything in place now? Mm-hmm. So if anybody's interested to connect, they can on livinglegacy.ie. I'm also on social media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and LinkedIn. And you can actually book a discovery call. So that would give you about 30 minutes to have a chat, to learn a little bit more about what I'm offering and to actually see if it's something that would suit you. But I'm also doing a call out now for any community groups, whether you're a seniors group, whether you're a parents group, mother and toddler, is to actually for me to come in and give a presentation on what Living Legacy can offer and actually help you. So if you want to, you can call me on 087 or you can email info at livinglegacy.ie and that'll get you that will get me yes yeah so thanks for giving us an insight and thank you for the opportunity to be here yes yeah it's the one thing that's going to face us all i know absolutely and i'd say i've done a little bit yeah maybe there's a bit more but i think if you think about the amount of time that people spend on their weddings you get engaged and you spend a year planning for one day but yet people avoid planning for the end yeah i Uh, think that the whole thing is too there's a great change in the culture yeah let's say around all of this COVID certainly introduced that yes and also you know when you even think about 
other matters that don't immediately come to mind, like the whole business of how people are changing the choices they make about mm. even things like the coffins they're choosing, yes, yeah. where they want to be buried yeah. now. It doesn't have to be a formal graveyard mm. anymore. It can be one of the new um, meadow uh, yes, places where yeah, you can yeah. be buried. All those things. So there's a really big change coming mm. in the culture yeah. around that subject. There is, yeah. So, and it's wonderful. The life left to live stays yeah. with me, Jennifer. Yeah. And the very best of luck to Thank you. Thank you so business. much. Yeah.